Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. We met on the Lex app, that app for, for queer people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. Some of my favorite couples have met on Lex. Really? Lex <laughs> is doing great. Yeah. Great work. It's a, it, really is, it really is a great platform. I had tried many different dating sites over the years uh, with, with no success. Not even little to no success, just no success. <laughs> I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that's steeped in queer culture and brewing with fun conversations. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with the incredible Jen Richards about tea, the leafy kind, just to be clear, because in the queer community, saying you love tea can have multiple meanings and... You're going to want to stick around for that, if only to hear me failing at trying not to fangirl Jen during the convo. Spoiler alert, talking to her only made it worse. <laughs> Truly the coolest person. Too cool. So cool. So smart. So interesting. So talented. We could have talked to her about so many more issues yes. that people would expect <laughs> for her to speak out. on. She's just like... right. You know, very eloquent, very knowledgeable. If you've seen Disclosure, you know what we're talking about. We just really wanted to have fun and talk about one of her passions. You can Google her and listen to her talk about. Yeah, she talks on a lot of great issues about trans representation. And Disclosure is a great place to hear her thoughts and and other thoughts in the community around that. Also, she volunteered to talk about dating while trans, which is a great topic. And we'd love to cover that on another episode, but she's not dating anymore. And let's live in the present. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think we were just really excited to to talk about tea and knowing that other people aren't talking about tea with her, though they might go going forward after listening to this interview. <laughs> I mean, she is a resource. I learned so much. And you're right. Tea has so many meanings in our community. When I was preparing to record this podcast, I thought I'd do some research. And boy, did I have to sift through pages and pages of what's the tea links and spill the tea headlines. And then, of course, there's tea of HRT fame. Yes. So when you just hear it, you might think it could have been anything, but no, it is the leafy tea. So yeah, stick around for that. Remember, if you haven't already, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It works. It does something. Guys, you helped us get featured on the iTunes Comedy Interviews All-Time Best Sellers page. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. We are there with Bob Saget. Bob Saget. <laughs> Pete, Pete Holmes. Uh, what other white men? All of them. All the white men. <laughs> hey, and also Keith and the girl. So that's hey. good. Yeah, hey. I did see Keith and the girl. Good company. Loved our episode with Hemda 
last week. Uh, yeah, if you haven't yet, we're not going to hold it against you, but you can go now, hit hit a little pause, and then go on uh, Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. And if you can't for some reason go on to Apple Podcasts, don't worry about it. That seems to be the only place right now that seems to matter in terms of rankings and helping people find and discover us if they're looking for an alternative to the cis white male patriarchal narrative that pollutes our society so uh, yeah we're a comedy podcast <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely not feminist killjoys yeah find us under <laughs> comedy interviews they're gonna take that title away after hearing this oh boy cool it carolyn <laughs> and just another reminder that we have a patreon community go to patreon.com slash diking out thank you to everybody who has been joining we put up some extra content up there we are going to be recording some upcoming episodes that are going to be exclusively on patreon we have a fun facebook group that's just for patrons of a certain level and above that we love to hear from and chat with and it's a lot of fun so join the community support the podcast speaking of listeners our listener name yeah you kind of hesitated well, because they're nameless right now. They are nameless. I was like, what do what do I call them? Because as you all know, Melody famously hates the name Susan's <laughs> just really took my dreams and ripped them apart and stomped all over them. No, just kidding. I understand it. Wow. You have an equal voice. <laughs> you know how I feel about the listeners rejecting me as their new mommy and... <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm just I'm just here. I'm just here to represent the POC listeners who yes, might and they do not, not like be Susan so used to the name Susan. It evokes a Karen-esque kind of effect on me. I don't know. That's fair. And I wouldn't want to do that to you. And I'm sorry for anyone else who has found that jarring. I do I do plan on adding to every gay Susan still. I've been behind on it, though. But you know how that goes at every gay Susan on Instagram. So we have asked listeners to hit us up with some names. We've gone back and forth on some. I liked Diking Otter. So did Melody. But we felt like there's something else out there. And a listener proposed one that I think a patron actually. And I think it's great. And it's you haulers. I love it. Right, you're moving in with the pod. You're in it for the long haul. Uh, as long as the company U-Haul does not sue us, which I don't think they will. It's kind of like free advertising, though. We will say officially we do not have a stance on a uh, truck company. As a former employee of Rider Truck Rentals, I, uh, you know, I can't, I can't have favorites. But and yesterday, when um, Carolyn brought this up to me and said you know, could this be a copyright issue? I had no idea what she meant and it didn't make the connection for about 10 minutes that you were talking about U-Haul the company because the lesbian or queer community has abstracted the term U-Hauling so much to the point that I thought she was talking about, you know... Just the concept. You might be like, yeah, cop, like stealing someone's idea, whoever originally came up with the term U-Hauling. Like I didn't even think... Probably some dyke about the Susan. company. 
<laughs> yeah. Hey. Got an angry email from some dyke named Susan being like, not only are you throwing my name away, <laughs> but you're replacing me with my word. <laughs> I love you, hollers. Bye, Susan. All right. Well, you hollers, why don't you give us a follow on Instagram if you haven't already? We're doing uh, a little bit of stuff there, hoping to do more, but we're so close to 10,000 followers and we're trying to get there. It's important. So, you know, give us give us a follow if you haven't already. If you don't have Instagram, you can borrow your roommate's phone and follow us there. Bring it up to people you meet on the internet. I don't know, but just just help us push us over that that edge. Validate us, you hollers, please. Is it official? Do you want to make it official? I don't know. Why do I have commitment issues? Why can't I U-Haul with U-Haulers? Because I think I am a bad role model for picking names and sticking to it. Other than the name of this podcast, Diking Out, which no matter how many straight people feel uncomfortable saying it, I will not change it. <laughs> Watch, we get a book deal one day and it's like... It's like, you're, yeah, you're just going to have to change the name. It's like lesbian chit chat. Her. <laughs> Let's chit chat. Yes. <laughs> that probably exists. It does. I know. Uh, and their lawyers are coming after nope. us next. Man, the world keeps changing. 2020 keeps moving forward. We're still in New York, whether we like it or not. And I was really surprised to learn, Melody, that outdoor comedy is not legal in New York right now, even though these comedy shows have been happening and Allie's been hosting them. I didn't know this was a thing. She literally had a show book tonight. Like, yeah, they're still doing it, whether or not it's illegal. I wonder if they feel more emboldened to do it because Allie has been hosting these shows for Stand Up New York, but they're doing them in parks. And I think the difference that... I've been hearing or seeing tweets by Cambry Cruz, who owns and runs QED out of Astoria, one of my favorite comedy places in New York. And Cambry was running shows out of the backyard of QED, socially distanced, plenty of hand sanitizer. It's outside, limited audience, different mics for every performer, doing everything she could to open safely and then had to stop doing that. They're opening up museums and cultural centers indoors, I guess. And there's still no word of when comedy, even outdoors, is going to be allowed again. That's crazy. I really think it was an offended comedian who reported the shows because they weren't booked. <laughs> I, I feel like ha it's just like a really bitter comedian. <laughs> Why don't you just say their name? <laughs> <laughs> Too many to count. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> Not like I'm dying to be booked on an outdoor comedy show. I mean, congrats if you're enjoying them. You did say that, that you had fun at it, but yeah. I feel like it'd be very tough to perform with, you know, ambulances. Not like that ever stops us before. Usually, if it's not an ambulance, it's like a supercharged hand dryer that's in the bathroom that's oh, right next to the stage. That's classic. During yeah. <laughs> forgot about the omnipresent power hand dryer no it's the only thing that's really weird about it is like Allie did a show for stand-up new york in central park last week and there was uh fully a three-year-old's birthday party happening right next to it and you know and she, what was she talking about you know me sitting on her face actually <laughs> yeah yeah the joke is something like how i'm afraid to sit on her face 
Oh, she. this is after she talks about how we have our cat masks. Yes. And then she's like, I would love nothing more than to die by vaginal asphyxiation. Yes. Either way, Melody, I want to go out with a pussy on my face. I want my <laughs> obituary to read. I'm fucking up the joke. But, um, you know, just just a casual three-year-old's birthday nearby and also a quinceanera. It's, it's funny. Right. And there's just yeah. people walking in the park who catch really funny out of context setups or punchlines. Sure. But they've been fun. They've been super safe, socially distant. The only thing is there's no bathrooms. Allie ran before the show started and peed in a bush <gasps> close by. <laughs> there's yeah, that's that's what sucks. Oh wow. And everyone brings drinks to I guess enjoy the comedy with and it just everyone's just holding their pee for so long. That's it. Yeah. Uh, that's my problem too with, I mean, I have lots of problems with this year and everything that's happening. Really? I'm loving it. <laughs> you know what else I don't have a problem with is Kamala Harris being named vice president. Controversial statement, Carolyn. Crazy. Didn't think it would be a senator who has been just fucking bringing it in every hearing since Trump has been elected, has a past that has some good things, has a bunch of not good things, but has done a lot of good things recently. And I think we'll do good things in the future. It's for for this whole Democratic ticket. Most of us who are progressive, it's not what any of us wanted. We definitely wanted different things. But given Biden at the top of the ticket, I don't think that like what what did we expect? I think Kamala Harris is as good as it was going to get. I don't know. That's just my opinion. And that's valid because you can have a different opinion. And that's valid, too. What I think is not great is everybody focused on just like ripping apart Kamala Harris? The decision is done. This is this is who's on the ticket. Uh, what we're up against is insane. What's happening to our country, our democracy, our rights, the rights of people in our community, trans rights, uh, women's rights, immigrant rights. It's Supreme Court justices. Yes. Like you can't you can't lose sight of this stuff. And it's been really frustrating to see the left just tearing down Kamala Harris while the right just kind of sits on their hands and waits until they can vote for Trump again in November because it's I can't even you can't even say it's necessarily good for your wallet anymore because he literally handled the pandemic worse than than anybody in in the world just yeah it's i'm i had to delete twitter this last week and just all social media it's really and maybe it's because a lot of my friends are straight white comic bernie bros i wanted bernie too don't get me wrong but i am getting flashbacks to 2016 when a lot of them were you know proudly claiming they weren't going to vote or voted for jill stein just yeah. to make a fuss about it it's not lost on me that it's like really this one demographic at least on my feeds that's the most vocal about how they're not going to vote and these are also men who have huge platforms who may yes live in new york or la where their vote isn't as crucial but don't seem to realize that they have so much influence thousands and thousands of followers scattered all over the country where 
these votes really do matter. It's like these like leftist friends have just made a full circle <laughs> around and are you know dangerously close to sounding pretty right wing. Um, <laughs> it's like this weird like whiplash. I don't know. It's scary. It's it's terrifying to to think that you could have somebody in office who's so hateful and surrounds himself with with hateful, harmful. People, I, I just read too that Mark Meadows, his chief of staff in 2012 or something, was on camera telling Obama to go back to Kenya. Like, the, yeah. it's like literally bottom of the barrel scum and the maggots that feed off the scum. Like, that's who this administration is filled with. And we need to get them out because a Biden Harris administration will no doubt fill it with better people not perfect people perfect people don't exist and it already is i mean speaking yeah. of chief of staff we have Karine jean-pierre a black first generation haitian born lesbian dark skin yes black lesbian already appointed her chief of staff but yeah fuck kamala yeah and i'm i'm talking to the diking out listeners <laughs> <laughs> who got in my replies this last week after I shared Ava DuVernay, just a post of hers, kind of talking mm -hmm. about, you know, the fact that Kemal is not uh, perfect. And right. I, some of you <laughs> just replied to me, the very eloquent, all cops are bastards, which, yeah, cool, cool discourse. I mean, I'm willing to talk about it, but at least, you know, a, a full sentence. Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to lash out on the U-Haulers, but it was just a crazy week on the social media. Yeah, you've been posting. I mean, it was a repost from Ava DuVernay. I've also seen people reposting uh, Angela Davis. It was about how the way that this country is and the shortcomings, of, the major shortcomings of the political system, you're never going to get people or at least for now, into power that are going to do exactly what needs to be done, what we want to do. But the best you can hope for, and change comes from the people, uh, if, you know, that's something I think that's been made clear time and time again. So you need people who are receptive to that change and to the voices of the people and who are willing to consider and move in that direction. And that movement is always slower than we'd like. But Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are certainly going to be more receptive and more willing to learn from their mistakes and try to move forward and listen to people like AOC than the alternative. And the alternative is really, again, will literally result in even more lives being lost, even more people being put into poverty, even more hate crimes, even more families being torn apart. And with that, yeah. I am stepping off my soapbox, but I can't believe people were unfollowing you on Instagram over this. Yeah, it's nuts. You were just reposting. It wasn't even... I don't feel like I post, like, I barely post, but nothing too <laughs> radical. Just like, it'd be great for, you know, us to vote. <laughs> <laughs> and if if we did it it'd be very cool to vote blue yeah kids are in cages 
Trans rights are being stripped away. I can't see my fucking Iranian family. Would love to see my family, especially the older ones. Uh, don't need four more years of separation. And that's not even because of COVID. That's the Muslim ban. Yeah, yeah, that's the Muslim ban. It's absolutely bonkers. And the Ava DuVernay things, like, you know, get them in and then hold them, hold a- them accountable. accountable. Yeah, let's hold Kamala accountable. It's, it's truly the people, again... On my feeds that are, have the least to lose, you know, who are relatively going to remain unaffected. Sure. I, I have seen a lot of black and queer people post about the things that they don't like about Kamala Harris. And those are all legitimate things. Definitely. And at the same time, though, you can acknowledge the importance of voting and is now the time to get people less enthusiastic and to get people to overthink their vote or is now the time to push people and get them excited to vote and then once those people are in power then criticize criticize away i mean K- kamala is in power right now criticize her for for what she's doing now if there are things to criticize her for but it's i don't know all right we're a comedy podcast <laughs> Yeah, we're a comedy podcast in a very fun, light year, just kind of having fun. <laughs> no! <laughs> just, just joking. Uh, let's talk about funnier people like, uh, I don't know, Ellen DeGeneres. There, that's how we can get back to comedy. Carolyn. Just kidding. You've been formally asked by the listeners to not speak on this. <laughs> No, I've been formally asked by you not to speak on it. I've been formally asked by the listeners to not defend Ellen DeGeneres. And I'm done. I'm not doing it. I'm reading what's coming out. Don't worry. She's right in the room. Yeah, I've read the room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's fine, you know. But what I do want to talk about in regards to all this stuff going on and the calls for her to step down, which I think she's probably going to do. The That New York Times article that came out talked about how she kind of wanted to do it anyway, and I don't blame her. She's been doing the show for, for a long time, and now it seems like the top producers on the show are a mix of predator and toxic assholes and mm-hmm. people who make it very uncomfortable for women of color, especially to work in the office. So, yeah. It's got to go. But then there's this, all this narrative about replacing Ellen. And it's like, don't don't replace Ellen. Get rid of the show and have a new one. Yeah. Right? I don't know why everybody's like, who are we replacing Ellen with? And I think we both saw the same list. We saw the same list because we, got, we both seem to get all our lesbian queer news from Dyke Bar Takeover, former guest. Yes. But this one I did not agree with. It was... Eight like badass lesbians or something like that who should replace Ellen instead of James Corden. Totally agree on the it shouldn't be James Corden. I think people are calling for a replacement because they know that NBC will replace her. There needs to just be a talk show in this time slot. It's their biggest money making sure in terms of ad revenue like there it's going to just be yeah. another daytime talk show. Um who should host that? I'll tell you what. Not Lena Waithe. I love Lena Waithe. I don't want her talking to toddlers all day, every day. Like playing playing YouTube clips and and joking about it. No, she's making some of the the best, most breakthrough 
TV and movies right now, do not get in her way. Let her create. Let her use her her voice. It's not for daytime fluff celebrity dunk tank TV. No. Uh, also on the list, Ellen Page. Ellen Page, come on. Yeah, very. Actually, I would want to watch her interact with a toddler, but that's I would. for you know purely selfish schadenfreude kind of <laughs> reasons yeah ellen page like she's she's a lot more earnest she's not a comedian she's not well i guess she does kind of host a show but she hosts like a more serious show that where she goes to queer spaces around the world or, or something like that but Ellen Page, it's not right for, for the audience who watches TV during that time of day. And that's fine. That's nothing against Ellen Page. Who else was on the... Fucking Lily Tomlin. Lily Tomlin, who's in her 80s. Leave her alone in her garden. Let her let act her nap. in the things she wants to act. Yeah, let her make crafts or, you know, I don't know, have sex. Like, to give her give her time to do whatever she wants to be doing but i that that's a lot to be like here's a new tv show to carry the mantle of uh the leading daytime talk yeah. show you're 80 you got this no wanda sykes good choice okay yeah, yeah. we'll watch it i would watch that yeah, yeah definitely cynthia nixon no cynthia nixon she's on that list and we no, just she need needs her, to be my mayor yeah back in that race Especially I after be my mayor and my governor this last year. Yeah. Oh, I think like every day during the pandemic, I'm like, had we only had Cynthia Nixon I know, as right? governor. I know Cuomo gets a lot of praise, but it is baloney. I mean, all of the women led countries are doing great, as great as you can with yeah. how they're handling COVID. So. Yeah. She cares about people over profits. More of that, please. More Cynthia Nixon, and and she's still acting. She's still, I mean, when Broadway was a thing, she she was still taking roles on Broadway, and then also she's gonna be in uh, Ratchet with coming up. I mean, it has like a small part. I don't know the extent of the part, but we read about that on Netflix. Very mm-hmm. excited about that. Who else is on the list? You know, one glaring omission from that list. Who? Allie Clayton. <laughs> I mean, it does make sense. Those knuckleheads did not have her on the radar. If she were famous enough, yeah. She's the human Dory. I don't know. Like, she's like, she literally loves kindness. She's obsessed she's so with kindness. Kind. Yes. She writes this, like, in her morning pages every morning, like, you are kind and good things happen to good people and everything's going to be great. And like, she's just, you know, like always doing things for others, you know, to maybe a crazy degree until she's running on empty. Yeah. Yeah. She, does, yeah. she takes on a lot. She does. Her heart is three times as big as mine. And I, I think I have a good size heart. And Allie, just everything I hear from her, she's she's incredible. So I've seen her dance with moms uh, on TV. We went to a taping of Live with Kelly and Ryan last summer and <laughs> they have a dance contest for the 
studio audience and you get to win a vacation and oh my god it came down to her and two other women she was arguably the best just like so goofy breaking it down i saw ryan secrets laughing um ultimately they had to give it to the pregnant woman because you know you you gotta give it to the pregnant (sighs) woman but i think i have video of that on my instagram it was (laughs) so funny i love that she fits in to a daytime talk show atmosphere. She's perky. She's kind. So this is what we're asking of you, you haulers. If you see something on social media that's some bullshit list about who should replace Ellen, Allie Clayton, get mm-hmm. the name out there. Get get people being like, oh, who's this comedian that I keep seeing her name and people keep suggesting her and wanting to to see her. Yeah. You know, we, we should film a, a pilot in your apartment. Of the the Allie Clayton show. I know. Well, yeah. She's got some auditions coming up that'll hopefully work out that could lead to good things. Everybody, pray for Allie, because we got to pay our rent. (laughs) I'm still unemployed. Do your witchy magic, (laughs) light a candle, burn some incense, ask the goddess for blessings, both for Allie and for our guest this episode, Jen Richards, <laughs> who also talks about some cool upcoming projects that I want to happen so bad. We need and more. I will cry if they don't get made. And then we see, you know, another show by, you know, I don't even have to say it, just more run of the mill reboots or, or whatever. No, I want original queer content inject it directly into my veins you know the trans representation is always so bad and they fully made that clear in disclosure and she has a great quote where she says more like it's just like a perfect one word answer to how we solve this problem what we need is more we need more trans writers more trans producers even just having a trans person on set we just need more of it and then more will fail but that also means more will succeed and that's how like so you won't have the whole like what represents trans media hinging on like just a couple of projects like the odds are so stacked against you yeah and that applies to any marginalized group making art exactly you know what I would like you to disclose right now What's the gayest thing you did this week? Oh, boy. Is everyone sick of me saying going to re-speech? Maybe they're inspired by it. You know, I, I as, as time goes on in 2020, I care less and less. I haven't shaved in forever. I feel like I fully fit in this time at re-speech. Uh, the hairiest legs and pits and... You know, let it all hang out. I mean, literally, I've been slowly working my way to toplessness at this beach. It is a topless beach. And I started off in a one piece. That's kind of my jam. Slowly worked my way to a bikini. And then this last week, I went topless. And it was very liberating. It was also just, you know, constantly. I couldn't relax. I was always like scanning the beach for anyone I know. Because I always see people (laughs) I know. And I did run into a friend um <laughs> but everybody's seeing each other's boobs there that's kind of the 
It's the best place on earth. And yeah, I guess that's my gayest thing because otherwise I did not leave my apartment all week. I went onto my roof once for 30 minutes. Otherwise, I stayed in front of an empty script sheet trying to write a script, really just staring at the words, you know, interior, cafe, day, uh, (laughs) (laughs) for days. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm glad you got out to the beach and I'm glad that you let your boobs out and got them some vitamin D. Yeah. And I hope some of that transfers to your your mind (laughs) and stays with you. I'm going to need you to pep up (laughs) on this podcast. Because your depression is palpable. (laughs) Melody, you know that I respect your depression. (laughs) (laughs) You better, because that bitch is the boss, you know. You really got to work with her. Yeah, I'm very accommodating. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I would like to to hope, you know. It's it's a rough time uh, for even if you already do not suffer from clinical depression. So my, my empathy mm. has no bounds and I Thank just, you. I want you, my friend Melody to be happy and, you know, me too. enjoy yourself. Highs and lows. I'll deal with that. I want, I want to know what did you and your boobs get up to this last week? What's the gayest well, thing your boobs did? <laughs> my, my boobs accompanied me to the hairdresser where I got my official first gay haircut of my life. I mean, you're looking very shamed today. I keep saying (laughs) it, but you are looking very shamed today. It's such a gay haircut. It is. I'm loving it. Cecilia's loving it. Cecilia won't stop staring at me and asking me to turn around so she can get like a 360. So I'm twirling around the apartment. She's like, wow, I didn't know I was into necks. I mean, what's yes. it like feeling a breeze on the back? Of I, I've ever had hair clippers like taken to the back of my neck and it's uh, it was a, li- a little bit itchy at first. Uh, so... I did ask for my dried out COVID hair to be cut off. I didn't re-up the pink. I'm growing it out for now. My hair needs a break. And I think the even gayer part of that was when she said, okay, but what kind of short hair do you want? And I knew I would have to give some references. I just gave the reference of an older actress that I'm attracted to. I said, give me Emma Thompson hair, but don't make me look old. Like, don't give me... (laughs) Her hair in a way that would make me look old. But like if there's a Emma Thompson short hairstyle, which she has had many. Yeah. Or at least so I can, you know, play with it that way. Uh, and she ended up finding other references. But I think that that got us on the right track. And I. It does look like her haircut. Yeah. I like it. I, I don't care. I don't care if it makes me look older. I wouldn't mind aging into a, an Emma Thompson-esque. She doesn't look old. I don't think so. I can't stop thinking of her in that movie, Late Night, even though I didn't like the movie, but I liked her and her suits. I didn't like the movie, but I, yeah, big dyke energy. Love it. If you don't know, she plays a talk show host. So She that, plays yeah, Ellen that, DeGeneres, but at night. <laughs> yeah. That just means lots of suits. So yeah. that was my main takeaway. Otherwise, it wasn't that good of a movie. Yeah. And... I'd hate to do this on a week where the depression is hitting you extra hard, but I'm I'm going to hold on to this trophy and feel like I really earned it. Wow, Carolyn. 
Really? <laughs> That's fine. I will ultimately leave my apartment this week and, you know, something gay will happen. There, there really was no hope for me holing up in my apartment all week, so... Honestly, I'm afraid to leave my apartment because I think if I do, someone's going to ask me to play intramural soccer <laughs> with this haircut. Yeah, you got a real like Megan Rapino vibe right now. I think if I use the right products, I could get it going. That was actually my hesitation was like, well, if I cut it short and it's pink, people don't think I copied Megan Rapino, but I've had pink hair for four freaking years, folks. All right, we are thrilled to be diking out with writer and actress Jen Richards about tea. Jen is the co-writer, star, and producer of the series Her Story, or is it Her Story? Which was nominated for an Emmy and won Gotham and Peabody Awards. We absolutely loved her performance in HBO's Mrs. Fletcher. And you may have also seen her in Netflix's Tales of the City and other shows like Blind Spot, Nashville, and Take My Wife. And she was most recently featured in the incredible Netflix documentary that we cannot shut up about, Disclosure. You're going to love this. Let's get into it. We are so excited to be talking to you about tea today. Uh, I, Gay canon. I've been waiting. Yes. I, I've been waiting for somebody su- to suggest this as a topic. But first, before we get into it, a different kind of tea we saw on social media that you got engaged. Congratulations. Oh my Thank gosh. You. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful. Sunday, Sunday afternoon. So it's still very fresh. I can't stop looking at it. I can't stop smiling. I can't stop saying fiance. <laughs> so it's yes. so exciting. It it's really beautiful. is. Love that it's a moissanite. Yeah, which yeah. I wasn't familiar with, but it's it's really gorgeous. It really does um, sparkle. It has like more color than a diamond, apparently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No ethical concerns, but it's great. It's, it's really lovely. She surprised me. I mean, I knew we've been talking about getting engaged for a while, but she she surprised me on this day. We were camping up in northern Arizona, and we were sitting at a, a scenic. Uh, overlook on the the Magolan Rim, which is like this 4,000 foot drop in Northern Arizona, looking over this green valley. It was really gorgeous. And she set up the camera to take a photo, I thought. And then it was actually a video and, and she oh. proposed. Yeah. <laughs> goosebumps. <Love> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did you two meet? How long have you been together? We met on the Lex app, that app for, for queer people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. Some of my favorite couples have met on Lex. Really? Lex is doing great. Yeah. Great work. A, it, really is, it really is a great platform. I had tried many different dating sites over the years uh, with, with no success, not even little to no success, just no success. And <laughs> then I, I kind of randomly put an ad on Lex one day and got a bunch of responses really quick. Uh, Rebecca messaged me, but she lives in Arizona in Phoenix. And like, my big thing was like, I'm only going to date single people who live in my city. Cause up till then right, I had yeah. always like gone for unavailable people in some way, shape or form. <laughs> and so I, I kind of ignored her, but she kept messaging me. She was kind of persistent about it, but like not in an annoying way, like in a, in a just like a cool way. She would ask me like, Oh, what, what books are on your nightstand right now? And I can't not answer that question. And, <laughs> and then we, I was already dating someone else I had met from Lex and he was a really good guy, but the, the spark just wasn't there. And then Rebecca and I started texting and it was just electric from the start. So our first date was on December 21st. 
and it last ended up lasting three days. I changed my flight home for the holidays so that I could spend another day with her. And then she changed her plan. She was truing along the, the PCH. And then she joined my friends and I for New Year's Eve uh, in Death Valley. And that was another three days. And <laughs> at the end of that second date, so I, queer. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so classic. <laughs> right. Multi-day dates. <laughs> I wrote in my journal after our second date and I'm like, yeah, that's it. This, this, this is the one. Like I just knew, oh my God. Um, I have no doubts. I have just enthusiasm. The really interesting part for me was that I had gone back into therapy after a long break, specifically to deal with dating. Uh, Cause I'd been single for a very, very long time. It's really hard to date as a trans person. Uh, and then I just have all my own little little quirks. And I really didn't, like my therapist at one point asked, like, do you even want a long-term partner? And I said, you know, I don't honestly know because I can't imagine it to then see like, oh, do I like this picture or not? Like I couldn't even picture it. Like I can't picture yeah. a person who would, who would want to be with me, basically. Felt pretty like fundamentally unlovable. And, but yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of us have. <laughs> And then the next morning, so I'm a, a journaler. I do morning pages every single day religiously. So, so do we. we. Oh, no kidding. Oh, I love fellow morning <laughs> we, yes. we saw an interview where you mentioned it and um, yeah, got excited to. Oh, yes. For many years, every single day, if I'm on a plane, if I'm in a hotel, it doesn't matter if I'm on set, like I do my morning pages. And so the day after that therapy session, I'm like, okay, well, if there were a person out there who could love me, what would I want them to be like? What qualities would I want in a person? So I wrote out an entry with just like all these different qualities. And then uh, Rebecca and I started talking that evening and she has everything that I asked for. (laughs) Ah, I love that. That actually reminds me a little bit of myself in that uh, I was going through a divorce and four years ago, I wanted to not be dating, not see anyone. I wasn't even sure how I felt about relationships anymore, but I did write down, I was like, if I do get into a relationship, like here is the list of must haves and I'm not going to compromise on these things. And my wife now to a T and it's crazy because I didn't, I didn't even know her. Like I, I mean, I knew her, but like not as a possibility for, for someone for me to be with. She was married to someone else, uh, when I wrote this at the time. And I just like, whenever I look back on it, I'm like, this is so crazy because she checks every box. So listeners, I recommend, you know, just write it down and it's going to happen. It's a uh, gay magic. <laughs> you just have to be careful about what you, your must haves and wants, because I had this list of like, here's the qualities I have to have. And then at the end of the entry, I'm like, and you know, It'd be great if she could also, you know, be tall and uh, uh, speak another language and all these. She fit <laughs> none of those things. Like you, you only get the ones that you say you have to have. <laughs> yeah. Does she drink tea? No, unfortunately, and I didn't write that down. She has a Red Bull. Uh, she has a Red Bull every single morning. Same with like, my girlfriend. Oh, it doesn't drive you nuts. It grosses me <laughs> <It's> out. So <laughs> gross. A sugar-free Red Bull, yeah. Yes, same, same. But she thinks tea is disgusting. Also, I have to admire like her witchcraft because like she's in Phoenix, Arizona. She's she teaches film and does videography at Arizona State, and she was a, a fan. Like she teaches her story and in, in her class. And that's so she, cool. Yeah, she saw this ad pop up on on Lex like one morning. Like she's a deep sleeper, but one night she couldn't sleep for some reason, and she was up at like two in the morning scrolling through Lex, and she didn't realize she had turned off her geography per- parameters, so she was seeing stuff from all over, including LA. It was the night I posted mine. So it it came up 
And she's like, oh, what the hell? Like she recognized who I was and she's like, well, I'll shoot my shot. And, you know, six months later, we're engaged and I live in Phoenix with her. So I'm like, well done, her. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. How has that move been? Uh, you, we were vacationing together during right before like lockdown happened while we were on vacation and so since I lived in you know a crowded apartment complex in LA and don't own a car I was a little nervous about that and she has a house and a car and like space out in Phoenix so I'm like well I have to stay here and then we just you know it became so serious so quick so it's you know it's yeah. an it's an adjustment but in quarantine it's like kind of in a way every place is the same because right, all the things right. I was paying for in LA like I lived in Los Feliz and I loved it but I loved being able to walk to Skylight Books and Il Capriccio and run into my friends in the neighborhood and I can't do any of those things now so you can kind of yeah. be anywhere yeah yeah something we're grappling with with New York <laughs> yeah exactly a lot of a lot of <laughs> yeah. us are going to leave the cities mm-hmm. uh, it'll be an interesting cycle because a lot of us will leave the cities if we can do work remotely and then the rents will go down and then like artists and immigrants will start moving back in and it'll kind of revitalize cities right. in a way which is exciting I'm um, also to yeah. say this is my first lesbian relationship as well and that really? has been a huge game changer <laughs> yeah <laughs> Is it, well, the, so all the stereotypes that you've heard about your whole life, like completely true, right? Completely like, moving true. Fast, moving right fast. Moving Right from the jump like, with the three-day date. Oh, God. But so intense, like the, the, the amount of, of intimacy and connection. I mean, Beck and I have been around each other 24-7 for five months, and I, I only love her more every day. It's like, it's never enough. <laughs> it's making me emotional. Oh my gosh. I'm getting teared <laughs> up. I love it. So, so happy for you. Thank That's you. incredible. What a great story. Yeah. I love that she taught her story too. I know. I love it so much. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's I, she, now she has a kind of ethical quandary of whether she can keep teaching it because yeah. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, is that still appropriate to teach something that like, that's her, her wife's <laughs> right. Oh, wife. Wife. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I could picture her being like very defensive if someone were to like have a critique. <laughs> just, you fail. Just actually go from lesbian to full on dyke. Yeah. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> Love it. So happy. Well, we're going to have to work on this tea thing because that, I don't know, it's it's like tea is a part of a lot of different cultures, mm-hmm. but I also feel like it's part of queer culture. Really? I think tea's queer. I think there's like a witchy element to it. That's a good point. Which which is the way that, that I tie it, that it's yeah. like, you know, natural and plants and brewing and, and all of that. And it is very ritualized as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially as a Persian, it's a huge part of Persian culture, mm-hmm. like definitely a part of the daily ritual multiple times a day. I think it is for, for, for most of the world. I mean, it's the most common beverage in the world outside of water, like by, by a yeah. pretty big margin. I have to say, I brewed a cup of tea in preparation um, in honor of this conversation. My friend brought me this rose tea from Munar when she went to India and I started Ooh. sipping it. It's delicious. But then I noticed it's severely expired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just in case I just pass out mid-conversation. <laughs> I'm guilty of that too. Is that a is that a black tea with rose or is it like an herbal to saying? It's a black tea with rose oil. Oh, nice! That's a <laughs> wonderful thing too. Like the, every 
like whenever Beck and I go any place, like I look for a local tea shop and mm. see if they have their own blends and like try out different things, like wherever we go. So like this, it also ritualizes our kind of travel. And I'm yeah. sure like I would really like one of my dream trips is to go to uh, Sri Lanka and do like a tour of the tea plantations. Cause those are my personal favorite teas are, are salon teas. I just realized my first queer experience was in a tea house. There's I'm from Hartford, Connecticut. There's a tea house there called Tissane. And on Monday nights, they had gay night. And that's the first time I ah. went to my first ever gay night. Just made that connection. Tea and queerness wow. were linked in yes. from the beginning. I love that. <laughs> Do you remember what right. tea you had? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I was <laughs> blacked out out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> But then I also did some research and realized that literally tea is a part of gay history. There were tea dances that happened in New York leading up, like before Stonewall, when it was illegal to serve alcohol to gay people. A lot of gay men first would go to Fire Island and have tea dances, they called them. So it was a way for businesses to get away with serving gay people and not serving them alcohol and thus like losing their liquor license, but, you know, it, it kept their business booming. And it happened midday at tea time because they would have to catch the ferry back to the city by a certain time. So it was like this midday kind of tea time wow. dance party that would happen. And it was also like helped form what was like line dancing and single dancing because it was illegal for men to dance together and women to dance together. Like when these places would be raided, they would scatter and uh, switch partners. So it was opposite gender. And yeah, I would. <laughs> that is fascinating. I had no idea. I know. I would read a book about this. This yeah, is no kidding. it's the queer it's history. Literally of queer history. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that makes me think of something else. Like I used to, I used to live in Atlanta, and I went to um, this gay bar called the Three Legged Cowboy, and they had. Uh, <laughs> They had line dancing lessons and I was surprised like, yes, it's the the South, but Atlanta is pretty, it doesn't feel like the South a lot of time, but like so many people were into line dancing and I never thought I'd be into it. And I would like show up early for the free line dancing lessons <laughs> and it was, it was so much fun, but I didn't know, like, I wonder if they kind of knew that going into it with the, the history of like having yeah. to do. Solo dancing. Fascinating. I'll definitely be researching this after this call. I'm fascinated <laughs> as well. Yeah, I found it on back to number two stonewall.com has a whole thing on it. Okay. Very nice. cool. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about your relationship with tea and how you got into it. How were you converted to, to tea? I was always a coffee drinker, you know, as a as a teenager, you know, you would go to well, where I lived it was Baker Square, but which is like a kind of like fancier version of Denny's. Uh, but just any kind of like diner <laughs> and you know, you'd you'd have a cup of coffee and then just like drink that for hours. <laughs> and like that's all you would do. And like hang out. Where, where are you from? Stuff. I grew up outside of Chicago. I was going to say, I've okay. been to Baker Square um, and like okay. Old Met or when like there's, they sell pies and it's yeah. a diner. That's yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I think it's gone now. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think they exist anymore. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm from the South originally. I grew up in, I was born in Mississippi and my family's all in North Carolina and Mississippi, but I mostly grew up outside of Chicago. So I was always a coffee drinker, but I've also always had stomach problems. I'm, I'm kind of a worrier and any kind of stress just goes immediately to my stomach. So I've always had like ulcers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, the coffee was starting to hurt it more and more. And I found that the caffeine 
was too excessive. Like it made me jittery. And so I think it was a, a doctor who recommended I try tea. And I'd, I'd had tea occasionally here and there. And I was like the ritual of it, but I, I didn't love the taste of it. So it was first kind of more for medicinal reasons. And then I'm not sure exactly when it clicked. I'm sure it was like a slower process, but once it did, uh, it was while I was living in Altadena, just outside of LA, kind of like up in the mountains. And there was a really great tea house in Pasadena called Bird Pick. And it just slowly kind of, once I found that I loved English breakfast, you know, with like a little bit of milk. And mm. once I learned about the brewing process, and then once I started looking into it, and you get into all the different uh, varietals and the different regions and the the terroir and different ways of preparing it, it just... I just seized on it and became kind of obsessed. <laughs> For me, it was uh, kleptomania that got me into tea. What's that? Are you? Oh, you mean like, you would, like you literally would steal it? <laughs> I would. It was, I was in college and for some reason I thought it was really fun to steal from the dining hall. So it was like anything that you could see that you could like sneak into your pockets or whatever ah. to take back to your dorm room, you would do. So I would just always stuff my pockets with tea, even though I wasn't a tea drinker. But then I became one from like the herbal teas that that I would put in my pockets. And then my first like really serious girlfriend and I, they were into tea as well, into chamomile tea and would drink it every night before bed. And then that became kind of a, a ritual of making tea for ourselves when we were together and having that before bed. So yeah, I guess maybe, maybe stealing stuff isn't a queer thing, but <laughs> I, I do tie it to, to my first relationship. And and then my roommate in college too was also very into tea and still is. And introduced me to kind of the wider world than just, you know, a prepackaged right. thing of Lipton tea. <laughs> That's like, if you only have or if you only ever had like a, a bag of Lipton with some like honey or something in it when you're sick, like you don't know tea <laughs> at all. Right. Yeah. Right. Like when when I'm on set, that's like my one diva-ish thing when I'm on set is that, you know, the, the PAs know like I need to always have a good cup of tea in my hand. It's like a comfort thing. You know, it warms my voice. It's just, that's what, that's the only thing I need, but I have to have it. And uh, if someone brings me like Lipton tea, like I'll take one sip of it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't have this. Like you need to go find me a real cup of tea. <laughs> by the way, this podcast is sponsored by Lipton. No, just kidding. <laughs> Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta. And I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. And you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Wait, do you prefer black tea, by the way? I won't go a day without having black tea because that's how I start my day. When I do my morning pages, I brew a pot of black tea. Uh, I will have an oolong or a white tea in the afternoon, uh, sometimes a green tea. I'm not a huge lover of green tea, but I do love like a gunpowder green tea. Mm. Uh, And then in the evening, I will do tisanes, particularly before bed, uh, some kind of like herbal tea. Uh, and then I will occasionally drink pu'er, which I which I'm kind of new to. What's that? Oh, that's that's the big fifth class of tea. It's a fermented tea from China. Mm. There is, as tea lovers, you'll 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 like this. There's a great book by I cannot remember the, the author's name offhand, but it's called The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane, and it's uh, about this woman who's part of an indigenous hill tribe in uh, southwestern China. Where they, where they grow tea and they do this particular type of tea called pu'er, which is fermented. And it has a very unique flavor. It's very, very terroir driven. Like it, it, and it often comes from uh, tea trees rather than tea bushes. And so it's, it's mm. older and uh, they're packed in these little cakes and labeled. And each one is like very, very distinct. They're often collector's items. They're often given as gifts in China. And because they're fermented, like wine, their flavor will change and get better over the years. So people mm. will buy like like a 50-year-old cake of Pu'er like for thousands of dollars. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. It's like a whole thing. And there's there's like a whole speculative market about it that's like boomed and crashed over time. So this, <laughs> this one book follows this young woman who's part of this tribe. And then she gets to know tea. And then as she leaves and comes to America, what changes? And, and, and tea is kind of the through line of the story. And and it's it's a really really great story. It's a great insight into a very uh, specific culture that that I wasn't familiar with at all. Yeah. But it also really increases your your love of tea in general, but your curiosity specifically in pu'er. Love it, and it's got to be good for your gut too, right? Of course, yeah. yes. Anything fermented is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's a it's a unique like when I when I drink pu'er, there's a, there's a feeling 
that I get with it. That's more than just the caffeine. There's, there's something distinct about it. It's just like a little bit headier. Um, it's just like mm. a richer, like it really tastes like the earth sometimes. I, I, I think it's an, an acquired taste. Uh, but once you, once you click into it, it's really special. That just made me think I might get this wrong. Is it, is it kava tea? Is it kind of yeah. tea? And it kind of like that, that also has like a little bit of a, mm-hmm. an effect of like, it makes my tongue go a little bit numb and then it makes you, it's supposed to like relieve anxiety. I fainted when I had it. I don't know if that's normal. It is. I've heard that's a thing. I had wine. Then we went to a kava tea house somewhere in Chicago. Um, I don't know if it's because I had a glass or two of wine earlier the night, but it had like a big effect on me. Yeah. So so technically teas are only that come from the tea plant, Camilla sinensis. And you have white tea, which are like the new buds and they're minimally processed and then green tea, which are a little bit more processed and like have been scalded. Uh, and then oolong, which is a little bit darker for tea and it's like mildly oxidized. And then your black teas, which are fully oxidized. And then you've got pu'er, which is fermented. So those are your like five actual traditional teas. Anything else, which is just, you know, some kind of leaf steeped in water is called yeah. a, a, a tisane. So all tisane, your herbal teas. Yeah. So kava, I'm not actually sure what it is. Um, if it's, like what the plant itself is. So I guess technically it's yeah. the same, but maybe it's, I've never had it. So I'm kind of curious. I, I've only had it mixed in with other things, but I went to this great tea house in uh, Seattle called Bee Fuller's Mortal and Pestle. Ooh, and great if, name. if you're ever in <laughs> Seattle, yeah, you have to go. This was referred to me by my friends and uh, it's like this small, this small shop and they're always like brewing different teas and experimenting with different blends and then they'll brew you uh they'll give you samples of whatever they're brewing but then also ask if you want something else brewed and they're you know steeping it like the exact time the exact temperature that's recommended and you can spend just like an hour there before you even purchase anything um, because they'll want to talk to you about the the teas and so I was looking for something that kind of like helps naturally with anxiety and that's when they recommended different blends that included kava. And then something interesting that didn't have kava that was called like green man tonic that also makes me feel like a little bit chill. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go seek out. I, I've had kava in like, like herbal blends, like, um, like mm-hmm. in pill form that it's like part oh. of a relaxation or a, uh, or a nighttime thing. Uh, but I've never actually had the drink it. So I will seek that out. And I'm also going to definitely take a trip to Seattle to check out that tea shop. That sounds amazing. Have have either of you ever made your own blends of teas? No. I just put cardamom pods in black tea (laughs) and then rose and that's the extent of it. (laughs) The moment you said you're Persian, I could have guessed that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It'd be offensive to my mother if I didn't, we'll say. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's it. (laughs) Well, and, and then for me, it's psychedelic mushrooms and making that into a tea with uh, <laughs> existing teas, which I'm just saying that hypothetically, uh, right. that I may do that occasionally, but no, I haven't. Is that something that that's a, a hobby for you or like, that's, a- that's my daily ritual. So I, um, oh. I'll send you a photo. I can't like pull my computer over with the setup right now, yes, please. but I, uh, uh, Becca got all these 
she's very organized. Like her house is very like specific and there's a very specific aesthetic. And I had just had bags of tea everywhere. So she got all these tins from Ikea, these black square tins that each hold like six or eight ounces. And then she made up labels for me and each one like has a number and then the type of tea it is and then the the varietal and then where it comes from. And so I have 20 teas like in these tins out. And then in front of them, I have spice jars. I have um, clove. I have cardamom, star anise, coriander, black pepper, and cinnamon in little jars. And so every morning, like literally every morning, I do some combination of black teas and spices according to my mood. So like, for instance, today, I really just wanted a specific tea flavor, so not as spice. So I just did some cloves and cardamom along with some mm. rahuna and dimbala, which are two regions in Sri Lanka, and made a pretty simple tea. Other days, I'll go like all the spices, and, and I just kind of do different blends every morning according to my mood. And then how do you brew your tea? Do you have like... What are they called? Like a samovar? No, I did. I have a uh, my literally favorite possession aside from this ring now. Yes, uh, is <laughs> my uh, tea kettle, which is this really beautiful, sleek black tea kettle uh, with just one button. You it dials to a specific temperature, so you can get it like mm. to the like because different teas have different temperatures, and it'll hold right. it for up to an hour, and it's got a nice little display. So I use that to boil the water, and then I got a teapot that has a built-in tea strainer. I mean, you can take it in and out, but it's it fits perfectly. So uh, it's a pretty good size strainer and it's a 20 ounce pot. Ooh. So every morning I, I put in my spices first in the strainer and then I do my blend of teas, boil the water, put it on. Then I have a little hourglass timer for a five minute brew. And so I set all that up and then I sit down and do my morning pages and have my tea. <laughs> I love it. I want it to be morning right now again. (laughs) And I'm like, why did I have coffee this morning while I did my pages? Uh, Do you have a mug that you like to use like every time? Is that a part of your ritual? I have specific mugs for specific moods. (laughs) Same. And it's one of the only things I collect. Like I'll, if I go to a place, like I'll often get a, a mug from there. So yeah, I have a handful. So a lot of my stuff is still in LA. I haven't taken everything here. So I think I have, I think I have six mugs here. And so I pick those depending upon my mood. I have one that's uh, Elizabeth Warren. It's um, putting the, yes. putting the tea in persist, or I think is, is what it was, <laughs> yes. which I love. Uh, never the, play, uh, nevertheless, yeah, she persisted. Yeah. And then I have uh, a mug from Old Miss, um, University of Mississippi in Oxford with a Flannery O'Connor quote that I love. Uh, something about like, whenever I'm asked about why Southern writers have a penchant for freaks, I say it's because we can still recognize one, which is a really profound (laughs) quote that just like requires a little bit of noodling, but it really is profound. (laughs) And then one of my favorite, I have a pair of mugs that one of my best friends gave me that are Shakespeare quotes because I'm a big Shakespeare dork. And uh, one of them is quotes about love and one are Shakespearean insults. And so if I'm in a <laughs> cheeky mood, I might get the insults. If I'm in a tender mood, I might get the love one. <laughs> so those are my go-to mugs most days. I love it. Melanie and I were talking too about how like serving tea in in a glass is so much more common in like a clear glass in mm-hmm. other cultures. And like when I used to go to Marseille, because I have some family there and there's a big Arab population. So there are a lot of like Moroccan tea places that you go and they serve you like Moroccan mint tea in like the small glass. Like they ask you what strength you wanted. Wow. And it's like this really you have to like sit there for a while till the glass like cools enough to to hold it yeah. you know with both hands it's like a whole little 
ritual. I think that's the idea behind those kind of cups. Like I have, when I drink Pu'er, you you brew it a single cup at a time. Like you have this like kind of special device because you can re-steep it like up to a dozen times and every single cup mm. will taste different. And you only steep it for like a few seconds. Like you first wash oh, wow. the leaves and then the first one is like, I think, 10 seconds steep. And then you, you kind of do a little longer each time and it's constantly changing. But I serve it in this little like iron cup and once it's cool enough to hold in your fingers, then it's cool enough to drink. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with Persian tea, uh, I think it's called a samovar. It's a Russian big metal kind of thing. You boil your water in and then it has an opening on top where you put your actual kettle with like the really concentrated black tea with the spices in it. And then um, you put it in the glass mugs um, so you can tell how strong you want it to be. And so for, like children drink tea and theirs is like almost clear. And I just like, as I got older, my glass mug got darker and darker. Darker and darker. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oh, I love that. You can kind of like track people through their years. Yeah, I that. really can like look back on my life and like, just like I see <laughs> phases of my life by tea color. <laughs> wow. I've never been to a Persian. So uh, my manager is one of my best friends uh, is Iranian. I was going to say Sanaz from the email. <laughs> Yes, that, yes. Yeah, I was like, that's that's a Persian name on our email chain right now. <laughs> yeah. So we we talk a lot about tea, and when she comes to set with me, like we always find like some tea house, like whatever city we're in. Um, but we've yet to find like a good Persian tea house that does it like traditional. So we'll have to really? be on the lookout for that. Yeah, I would think in LA, they're there. <laughs> there must be. Yeah, yeah. Like, we just haven't. They have we to. haven't sought it out. Yeah. Yeah, and it's probably queer. <laughs> if it's a if it's a Persian tea house in LA, I don't know. I'm just gonna guess that I think I think a lot of my love of tea actually is because I'm also a big Anglophile uh I studied at Oxford like I'm a huge Shakespeare buff I just kind of like all things British and so like some kind of English breakfast tea is like my default like if I can just pick one it's typically going to be an English breakfast tea English breakfast over Earl Grey I don't love Earl Grey I will occasionally have it but uh I don't love it the the bergamot can Mm. be a little too powerful a little bit too sharp for me yeah Mm. I did a high tea in London for the first time. Oh, wow. What a dream. Me too, last year for the first time. Wow. I was upset. It it was honestly like the best three hours of my life, I think. <gasps> my wife and I did it. And I'm like, it. it's probably good that we don't live here. It's right. so much food, though. It is so much food. We ate a disgusting amount of uh, of sandwiches. And then like at the end was when they brought out the scones after we had like 10 cakes and I don't know how many little sandwiches. And then I was also drinking like champagne along with the tea, but like we didn't think we would drink as much actual tea as we did and like just trying all the the different kinds to go with it. And and then that was actually my first time too. pouring milk and tea was on a trip to London. I never put milk in, in tea before. And my friend who had just moved there was like, oh, I've stopped drinking coffee and now I only drink English breakfast tea with milk in it. And I tried it. I'm like, why have I never thought to do this? Yeah, <laughs> that's, like... that's my preference. I put a little bit of whole yeah. milk in the morning and you Me don't too. need sugar because whole milk has so much sugar right. in it. So, yeah. and, and the thing about particularly spice teas is like a little bit of sugar actually makes the spices kind of sing a little bit clearer. Yeah. You, can, you can really taste them a little bit more and it just gives it... It gives it extra body. There are some Chinese black teas specifically that I love. Like there's one called Sun Moon Lake, which is from, I want to say it's Taiwan region. 
I can't remember specifically, but there's some black teas that are just so divine and so kind of like fragile and precious that those I'll drink just completely clean, like just black. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part in the morning, I like a little, a little heft. Yeah. Whole milk is the way to go. I mean, we've seen over the last decade, so many different types of milk being dunked into coffees. And I wonder <laughs> if that's happening with tea. I just, I feel it like must whole be, milk I'm is, sure. yeah, <laughs> they're doing oat milk probably now. Uh, there's a great, uh, my I, one of my, like if I, in New York city, the one place that I absolutely have to go to, if I only have like one day is, is um, tea and sympathy down in the West village. Roding yes. Yep. Yeah. They, they have yeah. a, they have a great high tea. Uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a British restaurant uh, is what it is. Yeah. But they, they do tea really well there. It has like eight tables and it's so cramped, but it's just like right. everyone that works there is British. It's part of this whole little strip on the street. There's like a fish and chips shop. There's like a British, you know, like grocery store and then like tea and yep. sympathy, but it's a great place to go and have a tea. Yeah. I, I love that place. I, I don't go nearly enough. And of course I'm just like apartment bound now, but uh... <laughs> I wonder if they're doing some sort of yeah, I wonder. bike lane. <laughs> All dining yeah. is on bike lanes now. <laughs> I mean... I guess if you're a restaurant that only had like eight tables to begin with, the outdoor dining isn't too terrible because that's all you have room for anyway. <laughs> Is that what they're doing in New York? They're just doing outdoor dining on the bike lane? Yeah. 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 Huh. They're taking over, well, bike lanes and, and the then sidewalk. also parking spots. Wow. Um, and they all have these kind of like either wooden barriers or these like faux wood barriers. Tiki but there was. Yeah. There there was a storm though, the the hurricane or tropical storm that rolled through and like trees were crashing. It's like these restaurants just can't catch a break. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so they had to invest all this money into this outdoor dining, which is hopefully a temporary thing. And then to have trees crash down on it or like the wind blow it away and all that mm. stuff. It's just nuts. Aside but. from the regular, like there's already been car crashes into- There have been car crashes into the barriers. Yeah. God. Yeah. It's just nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing there's things like tea to comfort you. (laughs) Yes. That's the thing. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about tea. Like it's something for every occasion. Like you want to celebrate, you have a cup of tea. You want to mourn, you have a cup of tea. Like it's just just comfort in a cup all the time. It's great for hospitality and, and also for for gifts you mentioned uh giving that that one tea as as a gift and i know like once my mom learned that i liked tea even a little bit all my gifts were tea based like every year it was just like a different uh, mix of teas a different kind of kettle and stuff and it's actually like really nice and almost kind of like a slam dunk every time is like if you know someone's a tea lover it's like oh give them a tea that maybe they haven't heard of or something from like your local tea shop and it's always, yeah, I love or it. Or someone you think <laughs> drinks too much coffee. <laughs> Just, right? Why don't you switch it up? Or Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Laura Zach, who was my, my co-writer and co-star in her story, uh, yes. is one of my best friends. And she got me a subscription to Sip Spy, I think it's called. And it's a month, mm. it's one of those monthly box things. Oh, love and it. It's, it's, you, you get like five different teas uh, each month. And just like one or two servings, but then you get like a discount if you want to buy the thing, uh, the actual, like a, a bigger amount and has a little bit about each tea and how to brew it. So it's like, I, I'm so excited every month for it. Yeah. Who needs <laughs> Ipsy? I mean, we're not, I get that monthly makeup subscription and 
uh, we're not wearing makeup anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you get makeup samples once a month. Um, <laughs> totally useless now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of morning pages, had you gone through the Artist Way program? Is it something you've done once and taken the morning pages from and just continued on with? Or have you done it? A couple times? Like, what's your relationship with that program? I think basically the first thing I started it years ago, and I think I got through, you know, the first two steps morning pages and artist date. And then I was like, I'm good. Like, that's, that's all I needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. Okay. So I was like, well, do you have tips? Because yeah. I've been on week four for two years. <laughs> yeah. I've never got, I've never gotten through it. <laughs> it's like, this is yeah, the I mean, time too. I have nothing but time, and I still can't get myself to. <laughs> Do it, <laughs> but I still do the morning pages in artist state. I think she even says in the book, like that's all you really need. Yeah, the, those two things, like that's all it really takes. But I've been, I mean, I've always journaled ever since I was um, a teenager. I, I just always kept journals, so it wasn't a huge shift for me. It just, again, it just kind of ritualized something I was doing already, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and then it, it turned it into a daily practice. And after a few weeks of doing it, it just kind of really anchored me. And it's, you know, the one thing I have to do every single day, no matter what. Yeah. And so I have like a bookshelf of journals. That's just like every day of my life is pretty well documented. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. She says not to go back and look at them until the end, but I'm never going to finish it. So I might as well crack open some <laughs> from like a year or two ago. <laughs> every, every once in a while, I will look back. I think at some point I wanted to look back and see and the kind of track how I felt about Rebecca, like in the, in the early parts. And so oh, that was yeah. kind of fun to like read to her, like, here's what I thought after our first date and our second date. So, yeah, I think it's useful to sometimes go back, like particularly like periods of my life when I was struggling or, or just kind of like to clock, like where I was and, you know, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically where I was. It, it's kind of fun just to kind of occasionally randomly crack open one and see and, and kind of get a peek into where I was. Yeah. Do you typically use it to just write about like what, what is happening in your life at at the moment? Or do you ever use morning pages? I don't know if this is a morning page faux pas, but to do like a creative exercise, like I, I'm kind of a little bit flexible with the way that I do it. And sometimes if I need to do other kind of creative writing, I'll be like, okay, today morning pages are going to be like from the perspective of this character. So I can kill two birds with one stone. (laughs) I I think that's great. Brag. I wish I did that. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I would say 90% probably more of my morning pages are pretty banal. It's, you know, what I ate yesterday, like where Beck and I went, like who I saw, what was, you know, what happened. But the other 10% is, is, is the real magic. Mm. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a screenwriter and I'm, I'm working on a couple projects right now. And whenever I'm stuck, I'll usually break through during morning pages. Like, Oh, like, what do I do? I have to be thinking out loud on the page and it'll come through. I once likened it, you know, and pardon the religious metaphor, but that kind of developing your craft and becoming a writer is like you, you, you build this church and now it's there, but you know, God doesn't show up every day. But you have to show up every day so that you're there when when God does show. And that's what I mean by, by like, that's the inspiration. I that. So I show up on the page every single day. Like, that's that's my practice. I write every single day. And you show up every day for the, for the 10% when the inspiration comes. You know, when you break through on a story idea or you have, an, you have a new idea. And not just in terms of creative, but also just, you know, self-awareness and like struggling mm-hmm. with the, you know, relationships or whatever it is, it, it all shows up on the page. But 
you can't just wait. You, you can't assume that 10%, like unless you show up all the time, you know, unless you get right. through the 90% of banality, you don't get that 10% of inspiration. I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> As we struggle on our screenplay, Carolyn, <laughs> we'll be adding a I couple of pages onto my head. It, it's like you're creating, you're creating this circuit between, you know, whatever that is, whatever inspiration comes from that, you know, we, we all of us who are writers have that experience of like, it just, it's not me. It's like something else. So like whatever that is and your head and your hand, like for me, that's a circuit. And I need all three of those open all the time and morning pages keeps it open for me. Yeah. Nice. Is there something that you prefer like writing or acting? They're different. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, I've always done both. Uh, my parents were in theater when I was a kid. So I was first on stage at like six months old and I started writing as, as soon as I was able to hold something. So they're just different parts. Like writing, writing is a thing I can't not do, but it also kind of kills me. I mean, it, it physically wrecks me. I go a little bit crazy. If, if I didn't act, I would probably never leave the house and I would probably like be, you know, fat and bald and sick. And like, not that those are necessarily bad things, but it's just uh, acting is, is fun. It's collaborative. It gets me out of myself. I, I enjoy it. So, it, and then they also inform each other, you know, it's, right. I can read my scripts as an actor, be like, whoa, that's a mouthful. I can't do that. That's too much. You need to give me room to do these things. Right. And, and vice versa. Like as an actor, when I'm reading someone else's script, I'm more mindful about like, what are they really trying to say here? You know, what is the arc of the scene? Where is it really going to, you know, am, am I supporting this character or is it about me? So th- they inform each other. I like that. Find it relatable as, so Melody and I do stand up or used mm. to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Once did in the old times, <laughs> but I I've also always just wanted to to be a writer, and I love writing so much. But I feel like stand up gets me out in front of society <laughs> and and amongst people, exactly. and then also yeah helps you work through stuff, gives you a different perspective, and that that they do inform the the two. So it's cool to have yeah to have that balance. Yeah, I'm really blessed that I get to do both professionally. I feel very lucky. So you mentioned that you're working on some exciting projects right now. C- can you talk about any of them? Are they? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I, 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 I'm writing a limited series for someone very big. And so I'm, I'm revising the pilot right now. My, my first draft of the pilot was like 92 pages. And I got the second draft down to like 66. But now I'm, I'm doing some, some kind of deep restructuring. But I'm very excited by that. I can say it's a, it's a true crime story. I'm adapting a, a true crime oh, memoir. Yes. Um, but I'm doing, a, I'm doing a spin on it. It won't be a traditional true crime story. Uh, I think I'll just leave it at that. It's it's going to be one that basically- You can leave it at yeah. that. That just gave me chills. Uh, yes, I'm hey. like, I'm so excited already. That's all you needed to say. We're in. To me, it's a feminist version of true crime story because I'm decentering the serial killer. Thank you so much. I don't really care mm, about yeah. him. And I'm getting to know the actual like uh, victims uh, a bit more. Um, the whole thing is kind of- an interrogation of or an indictment of toxic masculinity. There's a character who begins as a lesbian and then transitions to male. And so it's kind of like, how do you become a good man when you're surrounded by terrible ones? And yeah, I, I think it's I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good. I love everything about that. That sounds so good. <laughs> that sounds great. And I'm sure our listeners will be very interested in that. Well, keep your fingers crossed that they they want to make it. Uh, the calculus right now for what goes into production is, is very complicated, and this right. script has you know crowd scenes. It's set in the downtown east side of uh, Vancouver, uh, which is very crowded, 
And uh, so I don't know. I don't know what the calculus on that is now. Uh, well, we will use all of our queer witchy powers right. to, <laughs> to will this to happen. Thank you. Uh, brew a special tea, <laughs> yes. make a wish. Meditate over your tea. <laughs> uh, and then I have another project in development uh, for Gabriel Union's company, which is a, a kind of a gentler nice. show. It's about queer and trans kids at a high school in Kentucky. I'm from the South and I'm really intrigued by the kind of cultural changes that are happening there. And the kind of drama yeah. in that, the drama in that one really just stems from there's, you know, things are changing too fast for one generation and not fast enough for another generation. And I like that conflict, like the two generations, they, they love and support each other, but it's, it's really just about the pace of change. Um, yeah. So I'm excited about that. And I have a few other things that are, are still a little bit earlier in development. Love it. That's great. Yeah. yeah That's thanks so for letting us know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Love to hear about this stuff. I guess to wind down our tea discussion, are there any tea shops that you want to shout out? I mean, I know you talked about Teen Sympathy, but any places online that you order from since maybe people aren't going out as much that you'd recommend? There's um, August Teas or August Teas in uh, Los Angeles that make some really great, very, they're very bold blends. Like they do some like really like out there flavors, like super smoky or chocolatey or just a combination you wouldn't expect. Mm, but they have, a, they have a blend called Metropolitan, which does have bergamot. Um, so it's kind of Earl Grey adjacent uh, that I really love. Uh, bird Pick is my 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 default. Like if I can only order tea for one one place, it's Bird Pick, which used to have a storefront in Pasadena, but it's gotten so expensive there they had to close. But you can still get their their teas online, and I think they're looking for a new storefront. And then. I think it's called Tea Shop of Brooklyn. It was when I was uh, in Williamsburg shooting Mrs. Fletcher. There's a tea shop there. I'm not 100% certain of the name. I can find it and send it to you. But they had the best collection of both pu'er and like high-end uh, Chinese Ooh. black teas and the most knowledgeable staff that I, I'd ever heard. Uh, they they had this one blend called Elevation, which is from Sun Moon Lake, which is probably my single favorite tea ever. Like just like pure by itself. So those those are a few. Uh, personal faves. Thank you. I can't wait to check out the Pu'er. I know. So much for I'm going to yeah. check out Pu'er. <laughs> it, approach it gingerly. Like it's, yes. it's, 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 it's a, I would read that book first because that'll definitely soften you up and, and increase your curiosity and maybe, maybe, maybe make your palate a little bit more open. Mm-hmm. And then definitely yeah. want to do it right. Like you have to be very careful about cleaning the leaves and doing a short brew. So just, um, but it, it'll reward that kind of diligence if you get into it. Perfect. I love it. Oh man. Tea is just so, so fascinating. Thank you for letting me talk about tea. I threw that out as a topic because I love to talk about it, but like no one's ever going to want to talk about tea. So I'm so thrilled that I got to talk about tea. We were so excited when we (laughs) saw that suggestion, honestly. (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I was thinking too, like that. I'm like, Jen probably hasn't had the chance to talk to a lot of people about her, her love of tea. And, you know, I think diking out is the right place for it. I think this is a good vehicle for tea talk. (laughs) Where can people find you online? Well, luckily I I have one handle everywhere. I'm smartass Jen on every social media platform, Uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, TikTok. And that's my website, smartassgen.com. Love it. 
Oh, TikTok. <laughs> Congrats on cracking that. <laughs> well, my, my fiance is a huge fan of TikTok and she teaches film and she was just so in awe of the kind of creativity that she was seeing on TikTok. And then so we started making uh, videos together and she's a videographer so she can make them really well at home. Uh, and it's been really fun to, to be part of that, that community. I love it. I love it too. What a perfect pairing, a videographer and a writer, actress. Right? <laughs> a beautiful marriage, you might say. Wow, I loved every second of that, but also feel like a phony because I don't know as much about tea as I thought I did. I I mean, I did nothing but learn. (laughs) I'm a big herbal tea person because I too much caffeine makes me feel a little crazy. And I know herbal tea isn't real tea, but I also do like real tea and I respect it. And I'm fascinated by the world of tea, which was why it was so great to have somebody so knowledgeable like Jen talking about it. And it was also fun to get the scoop on her engagement. I think she had gotten engaged like the day before or like a few days before we sat down to record. So we really got the scoop that uh, congratulations to Jen again. So beautiful. It makes me just so happy. Jen is just an incredible person from what we can tell. I mean, this was our first time meeting her, but I just huge fans. I mean, I don't know if we made that obvious, Melanie. Yeah. I mean, I don't even care. (laughs) I've just had to accept that I'll never be a Terry Gross style of interviewer. You know, I, if, if I love your work, I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to tell you you're awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. I think if we're all trying to be a little bit kinder to one another, I think it's good to even people who are very accomplished, I think, appreciate hearing praise. So I'm going to praise the heck out of you for doing praiseworthy stuff. So buckle up guests. Yeah, we're not going to be like Terry Gross. And guess what? If if we have an actor on who doesn't want to hear playback of their acting, we're not going to play it. Yeah, we and play by their rules. That's an Adam Driver reference. I don't know if you saw that interview um, Oh, or heard I, that interview. Sorry. I heard the news about that, but our, our U-Haulers have also heard me talk about my dislike of Terry Gross for uh, her interview of Tignataro, where she just spent the whole time trying to get her to talk about Louis C.K. when she very obviously did yeah, not want to talk I about heard that one. Louis C.K. We let our guests talk about what they want to talk about here at Diking Out. Like Tea. Yes. We want consent in these conversations. <laughs> Not making anyone uncomfortable. All oh, right. All oh, right. Speaking of uncomfortable, we got a listener question. <laughs> if you're feeling uncomfortable, send us a question about it at dykingout at gmail.com. But this one comes from a patron, so they go to the top of the list. They got a little boost. This is another one of these questions that we get that are a little longer and with a lot of context. So for the sake of time, we're going to give you a summary of this listener's issue. Basically, before this listener realized they were gay, they had a very intimate platonic relationship with a friend in college who just happened to be gay as well. She mentioned long, deep conversations into the night while cuddling, spending time, butterfly when exchanging texts, etc. But neither of them had ever made a move. So this listener in hindsight now realizes that this was the most serious relationship she'd ever had with someone, even though she was dating a dude during part of this. And now it sounds like she's looking for closure and maybe more. 
Maybe. She didn't tell us that, but we're saying maybe. We're reading more? between the lines. Yeah. <laughs> Her and this friend had a falling out and made up, but aren't really that close anymore. She wants to reach out and talk to this friend about what their relationship actually was and ask maybe why nothing more happened between them. I think this is a relatable question on a couple of fronts. One, not being able to stop obsessing over a thought. That's pretty universal. We as humans tend to obsess about things in our past. And this listener mentioned that she wrote because it was keeping her up at night and it's been on her mind. And the other thing is maybe being a a little bit nostalgic, maybe wondering about something at a time when you were a little bit less certain and wanted to know what that meant. I'm sure a lot of us have those experiences in the past that might not, you know, have been so clear cut. Uh, A lot of unspoken moments in intimate friendships or other relationships. And now that you're out, now that you're older, now that maybe you have a little bit more confidence in having these conversations, you want to do it. And I think that's a great thing to do. If you can't stop thinking about it, it sounds like you do need closure. But it also sounds to me like maybe you're curious if there could be something. I don't know. I don't know if this person lives around you or what. But my one caution in why you should not reach out to them is if this person is in a relationship. Because it sounds to me like this person probably did have feelings for you. And they were being a a good little gay and respecting your boundaries as someone who identified straight as the time. And they weren't going to make a move on you first. So maybe they were in love with you or had a lot of feelings for you. And if they're in a relationship now and then you come to them and have this conversation and then they'll wonder like, why are you asking? Or they'll, you know, it it could just bring up a lot of stuff and it could really torpedo the relationship they're in and make things complicated. And that's not really fair to drop that bomb on someone. But if she's single, go for it. My only caveat to approaching this would be uh, making sure that this was a relationship that was healthy enough to revisit. I have been in this situation, honestly, and I just noticed when you said that you had had a falling out with this person that kind Mm. of set off an alarm because I have had incredibly close, confusing, very, in hindsight, queer, deep relationships with friends that were actually just very toxic relationships without the sex. <laughs> mm. So just, yeah, make sure that uh, this is something worth revisiting. If you had a falling out for, you know, something silly, then that's fine. But if there's, you know, a fundamental reason why you couldn't be around this person, tread lightly. Yeah, and also in in that case too, if it's something that you're really just looking for closure and want to say, hey, like, what was this for you? And you don't want anything past that. Maybe just send it in a text. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be an actual conversation where it gets, where it has the potential to get into, like, very personal things. Yeah, don't get on a Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> so don't. uncomfortable. Yeah, don't get on a Zoom. Maybe it's just a, a text thing. <laughs> I have a feeling this listener is going to be like, uh, duh, I was going to text it, you old lady who would even consider a telephone. <laughs> like an emotional terrorist. Yeah. God, I, I, I'm so, I want an update on this. Sometimes we get updates. This is one I really need an update for. Ooh, 
Yes, good call, Melody. Yeah. Give us an update. I'm I'm curious. Hey, I got nothing but time, and I watched all my shows up to date. Give me something. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for writing in. Again, if you're a patron, you go to the top of the list. We do have a long list, but keep sending your questions, though. We'd love to see them. If you have a specific question or something that needs to be answered ASAP, you can go to wizio.com, W-I-S-I-O.com slash checking out, and we will video record our answers within a few days and send them back to you in exchange for a little bit of currency, but it's nothing bad. And speaking of currency, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash checking out. Give us a follow on social media at diking out on all the handles except for on tiktok where we haven't posted yet anyway but some of you are following us there for when we do so you can be the you haulers on the on the road first i don't know i'm really gonna abuse this you haulers name (laughs) but you'll you'll be there first it's at diking out pod on tiktok still convinced that one of you you haulers ran off with our diking out handle on that tiktok before your old lesbian aunt Carolyn uh, <laughs> thought to do that. Give it back. There's also a slight chance that I actually did snatch up diking out at TikTok and forgot about it and can't figure out how to log in. That is a likely scenario. <laughs> it's plausible. <laughs> so now I'm walking back and apologizing for uh, j'accuse. Sorry. You can follow me if you don't hate me now uh, at TGI Carolyn. There's a pic of my haircut there maybe i'll post something else one of these days you can follow me at melody kamali and be nice about it be generous <laughs> with your follows don't no no take backsies okay we're not we're not putting anything bad out there yeah here's a thought be kind to one another be kind to one another and that means not unfollowing us <laughs> thanks for diking out with us this week and dike out with us again next week bye, bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.